Did you try to go back and listen to episode one in, pre- in preparation for this? No, I didn't even think about it, to be honest with you. I hear, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to walk you through my attempt at going back and listening to Fetch and Chalk episode one. Do I want to? Want to? I mean, it's, so laughs. I can at least tell you so that you don't have to make that mistake in the future. Fair. I went on to the Podbean. I hit play on episode one. I got maybe 15 minutes into it, and I fucking couldn't stand it anymore (laughs) that bad or that good um it was a mix of like oh this is very nostalgic and oh we are very bad at this also i'm pissed i couldn't get whiskey for this was that i just wanted to do a run back of episode one oh and just get obliterated yeah just drink too much and just random nonsense yelling at each other and just scream at each other for like two hours hey someone's got to do it it's really a tough job being that incoherent and yelling at a human being it's not easy it takes a level of practice that a lot of people can't comprehend yeah there's a lot of focus involved uh just sheer force of will to get to that point and not give up you can't rest on your laurels when it comes to drinking and yelling at one of your friends on a podcast loudly and longly longly is that a word it is now add that to the book with dictionary book by the end of year two of just words matt has created someone's got i used themey in a conversation like this past week and the person looked at me like i had two fucking heads but yeah that's a word motherfucker i was like yeah themey it doesn't everybody just know that that is a word that now exists ever since matt bop created it on episode like 32 of the fetch shock podcast degenerates don't know where they come from that's what we need to do all of the fucking daddies out there, all of the spicy boys, need to just start using the words that you create on a daily basis Make until they are common. forced to add it to the dictionary. Shit, dude, that's that's happened before. Not with my words. No, like selfie. That's a real word in the dictionary just because people use it a bunch. Yeah. I'm pretty sure there's other dumb, like, nonsensical shit. Yeah, there's a bunch of them. I don't know what they are off the top of my head because I don't give a shit, but I give a shit about me and my stuff. What is up, nerds? Welcome back to another episode of the Fetch and Shock podcast. I am your host, a disgruntled legacy player, Tyler. And joining me, as always, is my co-host, the smart one that's only playing old school, Matt. Matt, what is going on, dude? You, I'm playing pre-modern too, you liar. Mm. Oh, yep, my bad. How dare you. Middle school and old school. Yeah, but just uh, just hanging out. Um, I was going to add a bunch of shit to my list of stuff I'm getting rid of yesterday, but some stuff came up, and one of my out-of-state buddies was in the area for work, and he came over, had some beers, had some dinner, uh, and he crashed here and went back to the site today. Did, did you guys make sure that you drank your beers at least six feet apart from each other? Yes. Good boy. I'm yeah, very we're, proud. We still in phase one. Yeah, because up in New York, you guys are still in uh, pretty much lockdown, right? Pretty close to it. Not nearly as strict as it was. Um, There's also like a spike in cases since like they're like, hey, we're going to start letting people go do shit again. Well, I mean, that was just kind of to be assumed, right? Yeah, it's inevitable for that to happen. Yeah, sure. Well, everything is still hunky dory down here in uh, rural PA, bud. Oh, I'm sure it is. It was fucking gorgeous here today, too. 
Oh, yeah, the weather's been nice, so I've been, like, outside. I've got to play skateboard recently, which is something I didn't expect I'd be able to do ever again. With the with the rain. Yeah, oh, my God, the rain fucking ruined my life. But, yeah, I got to play skateboard. I got to get out of the house. I have not been playing Magic the Gathering recently. Oh, yeah? Why is that? It's playing skateboard. One, I get to go outside, and I get to enjoy fresh air. Get to take the, dogs, the dog for a walk, and I get to play skateboard. I've also been playing other games other than Magic the Gathering. What's that? I have, okay, so there's two games. That I've been playing with some of my homies that I grew up with. We have been playing. First of all, we started Fallout 76, like the Fallout, but it's like a online version of it. And the game is fine. But let me tell you, any game that says, hey, you need to remember to eat and drink or else you die. That is by a significant margin, the worst thing that you could possibly put in a video game. I fucking despise it. Yeah, that's pretty terrible. I hate it. But like besides that, the game is fun. I've also been playing a game called Ultimate Chicken Horse, and by by no exaggeration, this is not even kind of hyperbole. It is the greatest game. Explain, explain yourself. It is so good, dude. So what the basically the concept of the game is, it's like a little platformer, and you and up to three other human beings start out, and you go to like a blank canvas map where there's a start point and a finish line, and you just have to get to the end of it. And if everybody gets it, then nobody gets a point. But if somebody gets there and then other people don't, then you get points for getting to the finish line. And every round after either everybody makes it or everybody dies or somebody makes it and other people die, you get to add things to the level. Like, like either like a crossbow that like shoots arrows across the map or like a, like a set of stairs that like takes you up and around. So it's like you're playing it and you're building a level while you're playing the level. And the whole entire thing just evolves into how can I make it so I make it through this and everybody else dies. But it's fucking incredible, dude. It is so much fun and it is the most infuriating game on the planet. I love it. I've never been happier playing a video game. And it's just all of all of like my friends just sitting there, just screaming at the top of our lungs at each other. While us as little chickens or a little horse or a little squirrel are like jumping from platform to platform, not getting shot by flying tennis balls that are on fire it's the greatest game ever it seems like it would be a fun drinking well matt every game that i play is a drink it's a drink, yeah touche so <laughs> you can make any game a drinking game if you have have the guts i'll tell you what matt you know what i would also consider a good drinking game magic the gathering you nailed it magic the gathering wow, i would consider wow, a really good drinking game pretty cool right but it is and you know what i've heard it's somebody's birthday today whose birthday is it today it's our oh. birthday. Matt. Oh, Jesus Christ. You fucking I, idiot. <laughs> I really thought that there was something else to that. No, there was no, there's no other lead into that. It's our birthday. Happy birthday, Jinshok. Yep, cue up the happy birthday music. Let it play in the background. I completely forgot about fucking curving you today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, you were talking a lot of shit about this long con that you were just not going to call me. I fucked I, up. And I honestly didn't hear from you most of today. And I was like, he's going to actually go through with this thing. <laughs> and then you called me like an hour before we we're supposed to record. And you're like, okay, we like, are we ready to go? And I'm like, oh yeah, yeah, totally. And then I hung up the phone. I was like, he totally forgot about the long con. I did. He's been working an entire year on this, building up to it. And they just, nope, not going to, he's not going to ditch it on the last, the very last day. Yeah, I completely, completely slipped my mind. So Matt, do you have a favorite moment from the, from the last year of, Fetch and shock. Do I have a favorite moment? Probably the in-person one. Those, that was fun. Oh, that that is in 
a upper echelon of moments that have happened in my life when it was what was it G, uh eternal weekend this past year yes that was one of them and we did another one in person when we went to syracuse yeah that was a syracuse one but the one where we did it in pittsburgh for eternal weekend and we met that canadian guy and he came in at the end of that podcast when kev was shouting him out yep that was one of the greatest moments i've ever lived yeah it was fun we were trash too so that was oh yeah and we were probably episode one is easily the drunkest we've ever been while recording that might be a close two. No, I don't think so. You think it's just not close? I think like the first five to ten episodes we were trashed. And then we got our shit together. Yeah, I couldn't deal with killing my liver like that. That's very I true. I do it spaciously now. I think also our first episode with Corey. That was something. That was really, really fucking cool. Yeah, that was fun. That was a blast. We've only ever had three guests. Corey. Corey, Kev, Kev and, and Z. Z. That was our favorite moments from the past year. What are some goals for year two? To not forget the long con. The day fucking of. <laughs> <laughs> to quit the day before the year two hits. No, I want to have some uh, some other folks on. More guests. I'd be very pro that. I mean, I've been loving what the Discord's been doing. Yeah, that's been fun. Getting the chat with some folks. Yes. And I want to do some sort of like a live, live stream with you and I. Oh, Whenever this COVID stuff is all said and done, where we can actually sit down and do something like in person together, that's going to be sick. Yeah, that'll be big fan of that idea. Yeah, I mean, and then just like the general takeover of the the MTG podcast world. Yeah, I don't have time for that. Well, we've already got a good start. Might as well finish the job, right? I'm cool with Plateau. And... Plateau, I always saw you as more of a Savannah kind of guy. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> <laughs> I got fucking the jokes today, bud. Don't talk to me. <laughs> talk into the mic and I'll listen, but don't talk. <laughs> well, Matt, I guess you, you want to maybe talk about some things that happen in the magic community or in the world of Magic the Gathering this week before we dive into some some viewer some questions. Mailbag. Inevitable announcement of our uh, our one year giveaway. Yeah, that we can. Because let's be honest, the, the only reason why people are listening to this is to see if they won our giveaway. That's fuck them. I'm not telling anyone. Next week is when you find out, you sons of bitches. Oh, that's actually the long con. We that's a curve. We just people along that we're going to announce it next week, and then a year from now, that's when we announce it. Yeah. <laughs> and then right before we get to the actual announcement uh, episode, that's when you quit. Yeah, that'd be super shitty and fantastic. Oh, the tangle webs we weave. I love that strategy. It's actually really funny. <laughs> but first thing that I think we could talk about is... Uh, something that didn't actually happen. And that was the Acoria pre-release that was supposedly supposed to happen this past weekend. Supposedly. Allegedly. The alleged pre-release. In quotes. Air quotes. Um, On our Discord, there were a couple people who were uh, kind of showing off some of the packs they received. I saw a bunch on Twitter. Some people showing off packs. I got a pre-release pack. And I got to actually open it up. Because if I don't get to play the pre-release, I still want to be able to get my hands on it. Because yeah. I don't miss pre-releases. That's not something I ever want to do. See, I actually had zero plans of buying anything. I wasn't going to buy this set at all. Oh, really? You were just going to completely just dodge Acoria in its entirety? Yep. Huh. And then I was at Target, and I saw one of those, like, the new fat packs or whatever they are. Oh, yeah, 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 like those bundles. Yeah, you get 10 packs in it. And mm -hmm. I was like, fuck it, I'm going to buy it. And I got the Zagath Triome, which... I was trying to get off of 
off of Dave, which I will eventually once the price is settled. Yeah, sure. And if he wants to get rid of it because he hates foils, so <laughs> amen. That's a foil. That's, I mean, a, a foil lover's best friend is somebody, somebody who, who doesn't like foils. them. Yeah, yeah. The the universe has a way to balance itself out. And then uh, I'm still trying to get rid of all that shit. No one did anything with that list. Uh, granted, that's not the best stuff that I have. I've just been really busy, and shit keeps coming up where I can't put the other stuff in. Also, you see something in that fucking list, and you want it, let me know. I'll work something out. Matt, what list are you talking about? My The fucking list of shit I'm trying to get out of in the Discord. Oh, uh, where? yeah, where would you be able to find that list? I just said at the Discord, you idiot. <laughs> the Fetch and Shock Discord, is that where you could possibly yes. find it? Yes, shameless plug. Under the um, what? The buy, sell, trade yes. tab, maybe? But if you want it, let me know. Because if it's listed, say for like five bucks, and you say, hey, I'll give you three, sold. Or if you buy a <laughs> bunch of shit. I'll give you a deal on it because I want rid of it. <laughs> You're just plugging your your binder right now. <laughs> I just, I don't want it. Like I want to get rid of it. So um, the shameless. I'll shameless plug everything I want. That's what that's what we're just just needlessly shilling on our one year episode. Yeah. See, you get it. Yeah, it's totally fine. But yeah, I, I mean, my Aquarium pre-release pack was abysmal. But you got that foil Yuri on. I Yuri did on? get the foil Yoron. Yoron. I thought there was an eye in there there is but like i feel like it's silent i don't think that it is but that's cool whatever i mean it's magic cards right nobody pronounces them right yeah true but yeah i mean my pre-release i got to actually open it my rares were god-awful except for the foil companion that was my pre-release card and then i built my sealed pool into a deck and i actually didn't see that is it hot trash no my deck is actually really good but it's 60 cards well yeah it has to. Yeah, because I'm playing. I have to play. You have to play your own. It'd be weird if you didn't. I mean, those companion is just such a busted mechanic that if you can afford to play it in your deck in limited, you just lean into it. What did you do? Did you just put cycling shit in it? Um, I have a good amount of cycling, and I all of the stuff in the the format in general that cycles is just cycle for colorless anyway. So it's essentially a free splash. Um, and I did four color everything but black so like what is it moist naya can we call it that he probably just offended someone saying the word moist moist naya i can or dig it bant on fire fire bant i like moist naya we're gonna keep with that one yeah do whatever you gotta do bro but yeah it's just a bunch of cycling cards and all of the mutate cards my black was abysmal so i just jammed everything that was good in those four colors into a pile of 60 cards uh threw lands in with it and I think the deck is actually playable, which is unbelievable. Yeah, com- companions do some work, that's for sure. I mean, I also have some pretty busted rares. Like, I have the King Kong uh, sex drop that when it comes in, it fights something. I have the, uh, was it, Gray- Graze Runner? I have no idea. The mutate one that destroys an artifact or enchantment when it mutates. It's a uh, three. The green dude. Yep, three and a green for a 4-4. Four, four. And then it mutates for one and two green. It has reach and trample. That card's really, really good. And then just like just generically good cards. Yeah, I think you kind of have to when you're doing the four color. Not I could have easily made just a very playable blue green deck and then just like through your in the deck. And I would have been a OK. The deck would have been solid. But if you yeah, open up your you have to play the 60 cards. You can't you can't not do it. Yeah, that's one of those cards where. It's well worth the actual. Um, yeah, all the other ha- all the, the hassle deck building requirement. Yeah, the hassle. That's it. a good. That's a good way to put it. Yeah, all the hassle you have to go through building it. 
and just always having a 5-4 flyer on turn 5 every single game you play, worth it, turns out. Yeah, that you can pretty much always play on curve. Yeah, and I'm drawing so many lands too that it's not like that's an issue. It's like hitting my land drops. Half the deck has cycling for either one or two. And you can just jam that shit with the cycling stuff, yeah, and it's, it's you're golden. Oh, yeah, but it's also sealed. You and me both have a very similar uh, feeling about sealed, where it's just like we're not big fans. But this sealed deck I'm actually excited about, and I think it would be so much fun to actually play. Yeah, sealed is whatever. I've never, I've always been a big proponent of not a fan. I would love to keep this deck together. I mean, it's not like I'm doing anything with it. None of the rares are very good, so it doesn't matter. But I would love to keep this deck together. And then eventually when we get the chance to go play Paper Magic with the other human beings, have people who also got sealed pools to keep their deck together. And then just jam a couple games with our sealed decks. Yeah, that'd be pretty cool. Yeah, it's just like, uh, then it would be like a delayed pre-release experience. I would really, really enjoy that. That'd be fun. I just would need to buy a pre-release deck. I'm sure you can find them places. LGSs are probably packed full of them. I know the one that I got mine from, uh, they said that they were offering them to people that you can pre-order them. And normally they would sell out of their pre-order because it's a gen- it's a pretty small shop. They would sell out of their pre-order very early. This time they are going to have stuff left over. That makes sense. Yeah. I did open, I think, what the most expensive card is, is that Fiend, uh, the Fiend Artisan. One of the lands and the Shark Typhoon. It's a couple bucks. Oh, my rares were garbage, but my sealed deck is sweet. Uh, all of your packs that you opened, I don't know what your sealed deck would have looked like, but your rares were gross. I also had 10 packs, but yeah, my rares were pretty good. I mean, I even think you take out your five best rares and your rares are still better than mine. That might be a bit of a stretch, but I get what you're saying. You know what's one thing neither of us opened, which is kind of surprising? What? Neither of us opened Alluris. No, that's true. Dave opened a foil one. I That is an incredible card to open. But, I mean, maybe not now, considering that, Matt, there was a ban and restricted announcement this week. The, you, that was smooth, and I, you just fed off of that. Listen, I was born for this. Apparently. Yeah, so we had a banned and restricted announcement this week, and... We made some called shots last week about... uh, Were they really called shots or was it like pretty obvious things that were inevitable to happen? Our called shots that we tried to make, um, they were not really correct. Uh, No, not quite, but they were pretty close. We tried and we we kind of failed a little bit. But to recap, this ban and restricted announcement that happened on the 18th banned Loris outright in Vintage in Legacy... Zirda and Luris were banned outright. And then in Brawl, Dranith Magistrate, which is the card that says your opponents can't cast spells from anywhere other than their hand. I would imagine that's probably kind of shitty in Brawl, considering that uh, yeah, your that, commander that isn't sense. in your hand. And then Winota, which apparently, from what people have told us in our Discord, uh, that card was pretty good. <laughs> yeah, we just attack 16 real quick. But... I think the the ones that we were most shocked about, you and I both were in the agreements that they should probably just ban the mechanic outright in Vintage. They didn't do that. They just actually banned the card Luris. Matt, well, did you only... ever think, ever, that you were going to see a day where a card was banned in Vintage because it was too powerful? Well, no, first of all, obviously not. Um, that one just that like we were talked about last week, just that weird corner case where it doesn't matter if you would restrict it 
because you can it's still yeah. just the one of yeah restricting does can, actually nothing to the yeah if it wasn't like outside the in a companion zone um obviously nearly as good and i think that's the no, reasoning right. but instead of allowing players to have access to that in their deck outside of the companion mechanic they decided to ban the card entirely which yeah. i mean in vintage sure you just rather have the card not exist than have a world where that's the only thing people are playing yeah people are just trying to jam the copies of that in their main deck and it just being like a thing in the format that they're just gonna have to readdress because i think the worst thing that they wanted that wizards wants to do is ever address vintage ever because if they ever have to address vintage that's a lot of work i think internally for people that don't actually know a ton about vintage yeah it's I think it's eventually going to be like a player-run format, kind of like how kind old like school pre-modern are and Commander, yeah. yeah. I, I could see that happening, and I think that would be kind of fine. You just have to have the right people on whatever committee that runs them. It would be the people who play and who don't call for restrictions every 20, 20 days or whatever. Creating that list of people would be kind of tough, don't you think? No, if I really thought about it, I could think of people who most things like when stuff gets restricted in vintage, there's really not a big like outcry. The one thing that would really people would really freak out about are like if uh, Workshop or Bazaar got restricted. Those are really the only ones that people are like, "Um, what the fuck did you just do? Yeah, because if those ever get restricted, like so many stop. I don't vintage. think at this point, I don't think those are ever going to get touched. I, let's hope not. They've created that where they would rather ban the cards. Yep. Uh, the, and the cards, yeah, that's a precedent. Like the broken shit. Yeah. That's a like, precedent now prevented. Like Trinisphere or Lodestone Golem. Um, because they could restrict it, but you could honestly just put three City of Traders. And yes, it would be much slower and not as good, but it really wouldn't do that much. You're right. Well, let's talk about that's legacy. Just my, I don't play shops, but that's that's yeah. my what I would assume would happen. Well, let's talk about legacy now, because in legacy, we got two companions, the cards outright banned. And I have an opinion on this. And there is a lot of, I guess, high profile players who share the same opinion that I do about this banning. I think Wizards totally fucking blew it with this one. Yeah, you weren't very happy. No, was not pleased with this one at all. This was a not very well thought out execution for the, the companion mechanic in the legacy format. They they just looked at it and banned the two cards that on the surface were the most problematic. And they didn't look farther than that at all. Yeah, that was the what's the biggest problem right now, which yeah. was Luris. And I don't think Zerda was the ma- like a massive problem. I think it was more, hey, this is going to be an issue. Well, Zero we was the only other. Zero was really the only other companion that could put its dukes up against Loris. Loris, yeah, and come out with any kind of positive record. That makes sense. But now, like, <laughs> the format is going to be weird. It's going to be Yorin, 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 Yorion, whatever that fucking thing. Yorin, the 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 60, five mana one or the eighty card decks that makes you have an eighty card deck. I think the format is going to look a lot like that with the Yorin decks uh, really stepping in and kind of just calling the shots, riding the coattail of Arkham's Astrolabe because that card is just busted. And I don't understand why Wizards can't see that that card is just so busted. In addition to that, I think that 
now the door is open for other companions. I think the only ones that really have any room to stand on is going to be your your in in legacy at least. Well, I don't think the other have ones already been putting up records, and we're in the very first week of it. People are already putting up winning records, like five zero after five zero after five zero with uh, uh, Gruda Tinfins. Tinfin is that the one with Ch- Children of Corliss and Bristlebrand? Yeah, well, it's it's more like Mono Black Reanimator, but it feels very Tinfinny in the way that you're just trying to like combo to get your Garuda out, so you yeah, can then get you... your free Bristlebrand. Yeah, makes sense. Like, and if that deck takes off. Fucking good luck because Leyline doesn't work with it. Rest in peace doesn't work with it. Like it gets it gets around those things, which is ridiculous to me. Yeah, that's a bit absurd. That's just so like a weird things that are specifically made to hate on it doesn't work. The only thing that really works conceivably is like a containment priest kind of thing. And containment priest is just stone unplayable because white is bad. Yeah, white's be unplayable. Yeah, so I think they were very short sighted. Yeah, they were short-sighted. Is the yeah, hundred percent the word that I would use. They were super short-sighted with how they decided to to make this happen. And I I don't really play Lady, so um, I don't see that as much. But I know you do like playing Legacy. Oh, I love Legacy, best format ever. But the, and the, that's what makes me sad about it: the fact that the choices that Wizards has made has made it so I don't want to play Legacy. I like my favorite format for the past I don't know six months. I have not played a single game. Because I just hate the format that much. Because of that? Because of Oko coming in. The, well, it was Ren and Six first. And then after Ren and Six, it was good for like a week. And then the Oko piles, the four color, just garbage piles with Astrolabe and stuff started moving in. That made the format really, really unfun. And then Companions came out and that made the format unfun. And now Companions are gone. And we're just back to the, the Snowco pile meta. Like Legacy sucks. Legacy is a shit format, right? Now. I think you would like pre-modern, dude. I'm reaching at straws to find a magic format that I'm actually into right now. I think pre-modern might be your your cup of tea. It's pretty much Legacy, but instead of that, it's basically like super extended. I'm, I mean, I have to look into it because yeah, I mean, like, I think it's fourth or it's fourth or Chronicles to Scourge. Because I'm not gonna say I haven't been digging uh, Commander. Yeah, you've been into that quite a bit. Yeah, so I haven't been, and I was playing some, I am playing some standard a little bit. I still love draft. I've been playing a shitload of commander and I love commander, but none of those formats satisfy the itch that legacy satisfied for me. And I'm like trying to fill that magic void in my chest with something. And it's just nothing's there. Nothing quite gets there. Sad. I need white creatures again in my life. What about red creatures and playing gobos? I can do that in pre-modern. That's what I'm saying. You can do that in pre-modern. No, I think I'd play like a dead guy L strategy in modern or in pre-modern. You could do that too. I like that a lot. Like I have mom. I have all the those, those other cool creatures. We were talking about that. You did like the idea of. I really white, liked a like a white, black white aggro attrition deck. Get some vindicates in there and Just play four wastelands and four Rashadden ports. I don't think you can pull that off in a two color deck. Oh, that that's what you think. <laughs> that is what I think. I'll make it happen. I'm going to change the game. But yeah, that I was the VR announcement. Yeah, Overall, it's, it was wild. Wasn't particularly Nothing happy too about crazy. it. crazy. You really just wanted to see Astrolabe go, or do you think it would be as bad with if, say, they just said, hey, Oko, you're gone, but Astrolabe's here to stay? 
I think Oko, honestly, Oko is a at the power level that is legacy. Like across the board, the power the power level of things in legacy is the power level that Oko is sitting at. And you think that's fine? And I think that's a okay. I think the card that is really ruining things and pushing the boundaries of what is allowed in legacy is Astrolabe. Because the whole entire concept is that there are things in the format that prevent you from being able to be greedy while also being consistent. Like if you want to be greedy and you want to play all of the colors, then there are decks like Delver, like Death and Taxes, other Wasteland decks, like any of the the Stompy decks that are there to prevent you from just taking over the game or taking over the format with all of your incredibly powerful. But in Legacy now, it's just there is one deck that gets to ignore how the format has been has been since its inception and say, I'm going to have my cake and I'm going to eat it too. Where I get to play basics and I get to be insulated from Wasteland. I get to be insulated from Port. I get to be insulated from all of these things that you are going to do to me. I get to be insulated from back to basics. Hell, these Oko decks are playing back to basics to wreck other Four decks. Four color decks, yeah. Playing Astrolabe. Like, that's it. How is that an acceptable thing? This four-color deck gets to play back to basics. A card that says <laughs> non-basic lands do not untap. And four this four-color deck is playing that card. How fucking disgusting is that? Yeah, it's pretty wild. I'll give you that. And, like, Blood Moon does nothing against it. Because basics. Well, yeah, it's basics. And you have an artifact that can just... It doesn't require colorless mana to... Or it doesn't require snow mana to use it. To play no, it. it's just regular normal-ass mana. Yeah, I... <laughs> I've, we've talked about the Astrolabe thing ad nauseum, but I'm, I just I hear, really hate I like hearing you bitch about it. I don't think I've ever hated a card more than Arkham's Astrolabe. Um, we did that top five. Um, are you talking about Cooligan's Command? Cooligan's Command, there we go. Okay, maybe I've hated one card more than Arkham's Astrolabe. <laughs> if you played Cooligan's Command, you destroy Astrolabes. You see, but all of the decks that are playing Astrolabe can also just play Cooligan's Command. You and gotta be they, the monster to... Well, here's the thing. I'm so unlucky... And I'm never on the play. So they get to their Coligan's Command, and I they're making me discard a card with it, and I have to discard Coligan's Command. You see Fair. my problem? I see your problem. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's move on to something a little bit more positive. Matt, have you heard of this new thing Wizards is doing called the Love Your LGS program? I actually have not. Did not hear about it. It is actually pretty sweet. So this whole thing is essentially to give people incentive to whenever they are allowed to actually go to their LGS or order cards from their LGS to get an incentive to actually go do that instead of just buying cards online. And in order to incentivize people to do that, they are giving LGSs promos to give out for specific types of purchase. And these promos, I don't know if you've seen these or not, but the promos are a foil reliquary tower with new art, and the other is a Godzilla art version of Hangerback Water. It is Mecha Godzilla Battle. Uh, you get the Reliquary Tower if you make any purchase at your LGS, apparently, and then the special art Hangerback Walker you get from purchasing any boxed product, like a like a booster box product from your LGS. So it's a pretty cool Reliquary Tower. Yeah, I mean, the, honestly, the Reliquary Tower is sick. But that Hangerback Walker is wild. It'd be better if they did a... Uh... I can't believe you just said that because that was the first thing I saw when I looked at this card. I'm like, 
Oh, it's a Godzilla with fucking guns on it? That's just a walking ballista. It's a Because it's an artifact machine. with XX. I was yeah, like, it, it has be to be walking ballista. No, it's hangerback walker. Walking ballista is literally a walking gun. Yes. And Mecha Godzilla on this art looks like a walking gun. How did they miss the mark so hard on this? They, they were missed so it pretty close. bad, yeah. They were so, so close, and then they fucking threw it away. Yeah, they fucked it up, for sure. Even the Wizards really, really hit it out of the park with something that I think is, real, is a net positive for Magic, while also somehow fucking it up. Do you know how expensive that walk would have been? I'm actually kind of glad it wasn't walking ballista. Yeah, because that would be like a, a new car. I don't know about that, but... It would be very expensive, though. That would probably be like a $100 walking ballista. In, I don't even know that high, but oh, it would have been so. expensive. Like, imagine if the walking ballista was a, uh, like, invocation or masterpiece. No, that's fair. I guess it would have like been, been like in that ballpark. Walking ballista. This is going to be just like a buy a box promo, is essentially what it is. Yeah, so there's not going to be a shitload of them out in the, in the wild. Exactly. But, I mean, this is a cool thing that they're doing for LGSs because... As we all know, LGSs right now are kind of struggling. They're getting fucking murdered. Yeah, they're getting yeah, they're they're getting murked. But Wizards doing something like this to be like, okay, we get it, life is shit. Let's help you out. Let's help out the the brick and mortars that are the reason why we exist. It fucking helps Wizards out too. That's gonna sell boxes. It is. The Reliquary Tower is more to help because it's like, hey, you buy anything here, you get this. But you buy a box, a product, you get yeah. this. Which is also a weird reason why they didn't make it Walking Ballista. Because I feel like Walking Ballista is a much more sought-after card than Hangerback. Oh, absolutely. There's no doubt about that. Yeah, Ballista's insane in almost every format it's legal in. Yeah, there's at least one deck that generally plays it. They're just like, no, let's let's make something with guns. Hangerback Walker. It's going to make flop. They could have done it. I don't know why. There might have been something for that like price point-wise. I don't know. I don't no, think actually, they really care about that. Here, Matt, I don't know... If you thought about this, though, what if, and follow me here. Pause real fucking quick. Okay. I just opened two, uh, two pack Starburst. You know what I mean? Like the Halloween can. Like yeah, like the, yeah, yeah. Did you get two pink ones? I got four pink ones. Yo! <laughs> okay. I'm going to shut your mouth. I'm going to play the lottery. I was saying, go to the gas station, buy a lottery ticket. You are going to win all the money. I'm sending you a picture just because I feel like people won't believe it. I'm going to tweet. Guess what? Guess what? I love they that this do happened exist. They do exist. Yeah. <laughs> there is a god. He favors me this day. He's, the, the Star Wars god is smiling down upon you. Holy shit, you really did open four of them. I told you, dude. It's like... Pretty impressive. There's the rappers, too. Like you probably I am genuinely me, impressed by this. Probably heard me fiddling with the rapper. I did. Matt, I was in a middle of a literal fucking perfect segue into oh, yeah. talking about double stuff oreo masters and you totally disrailed it that's that's my 2020 but i'm okay. my year two resolution is to continue to disrail me fucking disrail you left and right bud well that was that was uh mission accomplished champ that was worth it, it was yeah and I, I i was gonna say i'm mad about it can't be war pinks that's like jealous yes mad okay continue with your now broken transition yeah we're moving away from i think what i was gonna do is i was gonna tie in the fact that they did a walking ballista in that thing and like oh well maybe they're saving their reprint for hangerback or for walking ballista for double stuffed oreo masters yeah what's the deal with like the double masters or whatever what is that like where did that come let me explain what double stuffed oreo masters is so wizards is doing another master set much like 
Masters 25, Eternal Masters, Modern Masters, Modern Masters 2, Electric Boogaloo, Modern Masters 3. <laughs> All like It's one of those deals, right? And how when you opened up those packs, each pack had a rare and then a foil. Well, in yeah. double-stuffed Oreo Masters, you get double the rare and double the foil. So there's going to be two rares in each pack and two foils in each pack. That's like doing a line of cocaine and shotgunning two energy drinks. Yeah, it's a lot. Yeah. So there is a chance. They took that balls to the walls. Albeit very small, there is a chance you can open up a booster pack and receive four rares. Because the foils can also be rares. Yeah, I guess that makes sense. Because um, originally in like the Modern Masters, you were stoked if you opened up the pack that had rare foil rare. Now with Double Stuff Oreo Masters, you can do both. You can have that same feeling twice at the same time. Doubled. Yeah, I would say doubled would be a good word for it, yeah. So, the fucking Bladesteel Colossus, amazing. I'm for sure going to buy one of those. I generally hate, like, the box topper arts and stuff like that. But that art, it's the same, like, machine as Bladesteel. But like, just more animated. But more animated. And he's, like, fucking up some dudes. Yeah, he's, he's, uh, he's smashing. Or it, excuse me. It is fucking up some dudes. <laughs> that yeah so to announce double stuff oreo masters they did a double announcement and if you actually go on the wizard's website there is actually two announcements one of them says announcing doubled masters and then it says also announcing double masters is the very next thing i thought that was funny yeah but they announced it by releasing some neat cards i am very very happy with the cards that they've released so far too yeah they released three of them so far four. Right? All right, let's go through them, because, spoiler, Blightsteel. Yeah, so Blightsteel um, Colossus? Someone posted that in court. I don't remember who, but someone posted. The Blightsteel? Posted. I did. Yeah, so that's in there if you want to go check it out. Uh, yeah, join our Discord. Oh, there's five cards. Oh, did they do five? Yes, they did. Uh, they yeah, did. they did five. Yep, 100%. You're right. So there's five cards that they're spoiled for that are going to be in Double Stuff Oreo Master. So Kung Fu Colossus is number one. Kung Fu, yeah, Blightsteel Colossus, which if no, you don't know what Blightsteel is, Colossus. it is a... 12 12 no nope, or is it's a 11 11, 11, 11 for 12 mana it is an artifact creature and it has trample infect and indestructible correct and if blight steel colossus would be put into a graveyard from anywhere reveal it and you shuffle it into its owner's library instead uh just to for my own benefit uh this is a replacement effect or it's not a replacement effect. It never actually goes to the graveyard. Yeah, it, 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 it is, is a, the replacement. Yeah, it's not a replacement effect, so it just just does never exist. In yes, correct. Not like Emrakul that actually goes to the graveyard and then yes. shuffles. That just for a little tidbit for everyone. Judge's Corner. All right, continue. Oh, the second one I think we're going to talk about is the doubling season that, that they announced. Finally, doubling season is getting another reprint. Because even after the first reprint, this card is still a thousand dollars. Yeah, it's like 50, 60 bucks, which is insane. But yeah, um, double this season, one is probably the best adorable. enchantment in Commander. It's probably because Fast Bond is banned, I believe. Yes. Yeah, so uh, it's two little baby dragon dinosaur things. Yeah, and they're a little adorable, adorable shit. But um, yeah, doubling season. The art on the showcase one, phenomenal. And also the art on the uh, the one they're, they're actually printing in the set. Is like the dragon one that's like all spiraled around. I love that that one has is dragons and then the other one is also dragons. That's kind of a theme that it's the same character just in a different light. It's dragons. I love all the it. dragons. And doubling season is just an insane card. Like, come on now. Oh, it's so fucking good. The next one that I saw that they spoiled 
was an artifact, another artifact, and again, is a gazillion dollars. And the showcase one is probably going to also be a gazillion dollars. It's a mana crypt. Yes. Um, do you know what it reminded me of? What? It reminds me of like old school mana vault. I was just thinking that. You are 100% right. Because it, it looks has that like same, that's like, where it came out of. Kind of like the chains art style. and the, yep. Yep. Good. I'm not the only one who thought of that. No, I you're, like it, no, I 100% agree. Yeah, it's pretty cool. There's like people climbing, climbing up it, and it's like blasting them with energy or something. Yeah, uh, this needed a reprint though, because these are even like the real shitty like Eternal Masters ones are like two hundred dollars, right? Yeah, yeah, they're very, very expensive. Well, these art for this one's going to be the same, and this also just saw a recent reprint in the Mystery Boosters. Yeah, so these and that changed the price. Well, these are like not super popular in Commander, right? Oh, Mana Crypt. It's probably the second most popular mana artifact behind soul that's what i thought and that's why it's so expensive because the only other format it's legal in two formats is cube and vintage, vintage so yep. command if this would be banding commander i would almost guarantee the price would drop drastically yeah it would tank well speaking of commander too we got two of the command like two commander all-stars and these both were pre-cons right we got one is kalia of the vast and the other one is atraxa yeah Thal or Kalia, not Thalia. If uh, it was god. Thalia, oh my god. The new art for Kalia, not impressed. The old art is in my opinion. Oh, see, I really, really enjoy that new art. Yeah, I love not, it. not my style. I like the sassy looking bitch who's like, I'm about to fuck your day. And Kalia's they... just such an incredible card, too. Oh, super fucking powerful. Yeah, that card's just disgusting. Yeah, so that's exciting. Uh, that should hopefully drop the price of that because those are expensive, aren't they? Um, I'm not entirely sure. But that's another thing that's only like a commander crowd pleaser. And I believe this is the first time it's ever showing up in packs. Yeah, I guess so. It's just the the commander set, huh? Yeah, and that's the same thing with Atraxa, too. Atraxa is another one of the, the uh, pre-con commanders that we just, you, you, you can't get it in a pack. You can only get it in the pre-con. And because of that reason, the card is like like 40 bucks yeah so hopefully this will this will drop it down a, a tad i assume it would drop the price um the and i just looked it up the Kalia that came in the commander the original commander version of it is 30 bucks and all of that's the cheapest one because again you can't get it in packs yeah that doesn't surprise me so good i'm glad that that'll be cheaper for folks to buy yeah, I mean, because that was just a huge barrier. That's always going to be a huge barrier to entry if you want that deck. Is just like affording the commander is something. And if you weren't lucky enough to snag it in one of its other it first came forms, out. yeah, then you're just like shit out of luck. Hopefully that drops the price. And like, that's the same thing with Mana Crypt too. Like if you ever wanted to put a Mana Crypt in one of your commander decks, if you're like have a, a substantial amount of income to throw at it or at least save up for a while, you don't have that Mana Crypt. Like two hundred bucks is a lot of money for just a zero one one card in your hundred card deck. Yeah, it's a good way to look at it. Yeah, like I have a very tuned commander deck. If I would buy a mana crypt to put in it, it would like double the price of that commander deck. You think? Yeah, for my uh, Simic deck for Crufix, that that deck is probably around two hundred fifty bucks. Oh Jesus, that's nothing. Yeah, throwing a, a I mean, and it's because the deck is. I mean, the deck is competitive and the deck is good, but I also don't like playing like the essential optimized cards for Simic because I think that just makes the format boring. But that's just me. whatever floats your boat, kid. But it's cool that people who want Mana Crypt, they can get their hand on it. My ass doesn't even like playing Soul Ring and that shit. So I only own a Mana Crypt because vintage. So 
That makes a lot of sense. But yeah, that I think, Matt, what are your overall feelings towards Double Stuffed Oreo Masters? Starting off fucking strong. They really did blow the doors off out the gate, didn't they? They started off real strong. Yeah, holy shit. Do people play Blightsteel in Commander? Um, yes. Yeah, they do. The wild. Yeah, mean people do. Like if you're if you're just a, a very mean spirited person, yeah, you can totally play that card. I have two regular ones and a foil one. I just need a fourth for for no what? Reason. Where are you ever playing a place out of that card? I don't know, but I'll figure it out. <laughs> I love it. Legacy mud with metal worker and instill energy. Boom, figured it out. Love that. But as far as double stuff Oreo Masters goes, I am interested not so much about the the card quality in it because there's obviously going to be disgusting reprints in this. At this point in my life, unless they make Death and Taxes good again in Legacy, I really don't give a fucking single solitary fuck about Constructed Magic outside of Commander. Done, you dude. You ought to hop on my train. The pre-modern and old school, but I mean, the stuff that they print in this are not going to affect pre-modern and old school. No, obviously not. They could print some, like, Painlands or something. No, that's true. They could. You could play, you could play those. You could play Ideally, I would want to play the brasses. old art of those things. I'm, I'm more worried about the pr- limited of Double Stuff Oreo Masters. Like having It'll get wild. Two rares in your pack means at best you're passing your opponent in at that draft table at least one rare. And you're getting passed to you at least one rare. I think you draft that format to money draft. I don't think you draft that format to to play. Well, that depends on how many packs are on the line, right? Or And if you're doing phantom drafts online, which I will probably do a ton of, because that's what I did with almost every single previous Masters format. I just do phantom drafts online to get an idea of how the draft format is. And then when I go to an LGS and draft it, sure, you get those three packs. And if you open something that pays for your draft, you take it. But if it's something that's fine versus something that you know is good in that format, I'd rather just take good cards, win the draft, and then win more packs than what I would have got out of that one card that I passed. That's fair. But with this format, it's that's a different story. Double Stuff Oreo Masters gives you double double the rares and double the Oreo Masters. Yeah, you're not wrong. Also, if a, people don't start calling it Double Stuff Oreo Masters, I'm going to be so bummed. A little bit upset, huh? Yeah, because I can't call it anything else. That's just its name. That's its name now. Figure it out. I mean, can you think of a worse name in Magic's history besides Double masters no that is an all-time bad name it really is that one's that one's pretty bad has like has wizards ever done a worse name than that i don't think so i really (laughs) don't think they have like it is easily 10 out of 10 worst name wizards has ever thought of ever yeah i would i would for sure be in that camp with you because it is pretty bad but yeah they started off strong they always do that they start off strong they simmer down a bit and then they're like oh you forgot about this and fucking hit you with it yeah and that's when they're gonna put Dual lands, the original duels, and they're going to abolish the reserve list in one double fell swoop. Yeah, here's dual land, city of traders, survival of the fittest. Oh my god, if they reprinted city of traders, it's on the reserve list. Saying if they did do the thing that made people the, would lose their fucking I minds, would cream my pants. I'd be so stoked. Yeah, don't need to pay $180 for a subpar soul land. Yeah, like I have the uh, the ancient tombs. Yeah, I bought Ancient Tombs a while back, and for no other reason than, like, eh, I found a pair or a set of them. No, because those aren't on the reserve. No, and they've been reprinted. Yeah, I just like the old art, so. Well, I just like the old art, stuff. That's exactly how I said that, even. Yeah, I know. <laughs> well, Matt, we I think we covered just about everything that happened in the World of Magic the Gathering this week. 
took a bit, but we got there. Do you want to uh, maybe get to the part that we were both excited about? Yes. Yes, we I got, do. We got the business out. Now it's time for the pleasure. And that is, we're going to answer some questions from the viewers for our one-year anniversary episode. Yeah, I was excited about this. I was really well, hoping it was last week. Fucking Buzzkill Tyler said, no, it's, it's the week after. Well, I mean, I think waiting for it also gave us some more questions, like some better questions that we wouldn't have got if we would have done it immediately. So the wait was well worth it. Maybe. Not sold yet. I'm sure for the people who are curious if they even made it this far. After we're done, that's when we will announce the winner of all of the giveaways, like the Commander deck and the Playmat, and maybe even a secret mystery giveaway. Yeah, and those are all going to be random. We just wanted to answer these questions because some of them look really good. Yeah, we just love answering questions. Now, Matt, I got the I got the question list. I want to start off with something, a little nice little warm-up question. And this one's by Ethan Newman. He asked us, if you could be any flavor of Pop-Tart, which would you be? S'mores. Oh, s'mores is your pick. You had boy, that locked and loaded, too. Like, you've boy, been waiting to answer I'm this I'm already a snack, so those are my favorite. That's why I'd want to. See, my favorite is the uh, chocolate fudge sundae. Those are also good. That's diabetes, but. I shit you not, every single day from, like, middle school, like, sixth grade to graduating high school, every single morning, I had, I had a pack of fudge, the hot fudge sundae, Pop-Tarts, and a room temperature Mountain Dew every single day. That's the most trailer trash thing Oh, yeah, I've I was literally making, heard. it was, like, people would see me going to school, and it's either, like, that kid is going to school, or he's going to a, there's only two options. It's such a shame that you had all your, t- right? Because I would have really looked like a math lab, like, I just been going to cook all day. That's super funny. Yeah, and then I just I exchanged that diet of pop tarts and Mountain Dew when I went to college. I just started smoking cigarettes, cigarettes and drinking and coffee. coffee in the morning. Yep, <laughs> just black coffee, two cigarettes, and then I quit cigarettes. So now I just have a frown and a cup coffee. of black coffee in the morning. That's it. Sadness, sadness behind your eyes. Thousand yard stare and a cup of black coffee, <laughs> and that's my breakfast every morning. <laughs> that was a good leading question. The next question is one that I know you are particularly excited about answering. It yes. is Stephen Kaiser. He wanted to know, when will the Slivers re-emerge? Not soon enough. <laughs> that is an answer that I expected. The best, I, this, and I've thought, we've had this conversation time and time again. I think the best thing ever is the Gatewatch gets like, a di- well, the Gatewatch isn't really a thing anymore, is it? Well, I mean, they can bring it back. There's some distress call or something that someone goes to answer or they go to an, into a new plane, like some character. Yeah, somebody flashes just... like the bat signal on like Kaladesh or something. Yeah, and it's and just like, oh, getting like overrun. Yeah, like that's a perfect. Or like they go back to what's what plane were they most recently on? It's Dominaria. Slivers? Not Dominaria. It was old because uh, originally that they were on. Like one of those original planes, right? The last time we saw them was a corset. And I don't think the corset have a definitive plane that they're on. Because they don't have like a storyline that they follow. I don't know, but it was like uh, Yogmoth who was trying to control them. That would, I think that's a Dominaria thing then. Well, they fucked up. But they're going to go to a new plane and they're going to be like, where the fuck is everyone? Or go back to a plane that they were at. Like it's completely changed and it's just like slivers are running shit. Yeah, or it's like wherever like Koilos is, like wherever the shocklands are coming from, or not the shocklands, the painlands. 
wherever the painlands hail from that plane that is where i believe the slivers are currently located but i mean honestly you could take the slivers and transport them anywhere and then just feed us some bullshit storyline about like oh this villain took the this villain planeswalker decided to take open up the the planar portal to fucking to to fuck all nowhere and took the slivers to fuck all nowhere and now the gate watch versus this thing in the slivers in fuck all nowhere that's fuck all nowhere the set and then three years from now we'll have return to fuck all nowhere and like four more years after that it'll be return to the return to return to fuck all nowhere and i think it's gonna be someone tries to get like the brood like sliver queen brood mother like the the alpha alpha mom sliver and try to like breed their own slivers to control them and they're just obviously not going to be able to if you're going to go the villain route i kind of like that or do like do a planeswalker that i want to kill off entirely like well teferi's a good guy so you can't do teferi or maybe think about this teferi is doing some time travel stuff goes back and gets sees a sliver and the sliver attacks him he tries to time warp back to the future and brings it with in him. his delorean and he's in the driver's seat of the delorean right but the sliver somehow gets in the passenger seat and when they're time traveling at 86 miles per hour they just hit it go back to the future sliver passenger seat sliver has a skateboard also has a guitar you ruined it, you fucking then, <laughs> And then... That's what I think is going to happen. I'm done listening to your bullshit. And it turns out Teferi is actually his own grandfather. La, 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 la. You want me to do that <laughs> the whole time you talk? Because I will. That is what's going to happen. So now we figured out what's going to happen with the Slivers. You're a dumb bitch and I hate you. Okay, maybe we will move from that to another uh, question. Those were some nice warm-up questions. I thought that were going to get us eased into this. We had another question by adam he wanted to know what our origin stories for magic were and we went that, over that in the first episode or second episode yeah do i have a episode of the fetch and shock or adam i was i was talking to you but i was trying to address adam to answer his question um if he really is like a masochist and really wants to sit through a stellar piece of magic content you should go back to the first episode of the fetch and shock podcast where we cover that entire thing at length while also drinking too much and yelling over each other. It is something to behold. It's terrible. Don't do it. <laughs> I mean, it's entertaining at points that you can understand. Yeah, at points. So, yeah, if you're if you're very interested in hearing what how me and Matt, one, started playing Magic, and two, started playing Magic with each other, and three, started starting this podcast, episode one, I believe it's called An Origin Story. That's a good point. I play. think so. Here's a good one. It's from uh, our buddy Dirk on Twitter. He asks, what is our thoughts on the future of paper magic, such as GPs and the like? I think that'll make a comeback. It's Um, just once this shit's done. I guess you have to consider the context of the question, too. If we're if we're asking the question, what is the future of GPs in like late 2020, 2021? Yeah, they're going to they'll be there. They're eventually going to come back. If he's asking like grand scheme, what is the future like the far off future, I don't have the highest hope for the life expectancy of large paper tournaments. See, I do because then Wizards doesn't make nearly as much money if it's all online. Yeah, but I guess I guess what I'm saying is, if we're talking about large paper tournaments, probably not. I can see them turning like the GP thing into how they turned it into the Magic Fest thing. I could see that turning into a weekend by weekend traveling Magic circus. That it's just a traveling convention 
that goes from city to city. And instead, and you're going to have like a large main event that's like pseudo GP, but there's just going to be less and less people playing GPs because I think they're going to start dropping the, the, the price or the, the payout for those things to shift payout for the, uh, the pro leagues. Maybe for the GP stuff, but uh, SCG, they still have massive tournament. Yeah, I still, I, I think it's going to shift away from uh, like hyper affiliated with wizard stuff to you have ECG, SCG taking care of like the East Coast because that's what they do already. There will be something else, probably Chain or Fireball maybe, that goes and takes care of the West Coast. And then you're. I think you're going to see a big resurgence in like smaller individually run events, kind of like how uh, Jeremy from Missouri MTG does his 10Ks. Yeah, with just tournament organizers that aren't yep. massive stores. Yeah, just small TOs. Just running like high quality small tournaments that have great payout. That, yeah, I, I could see that. Feature. I could see that. Especially for the formats that you and I are into, like vintage, legacy, you with old school and pre-modern, like all the eternal formats. I think modern is a, essentially is eventually going to slot into that as well, where the They're best tournaments are going to be run by yeah. people who have little to no affiliation with actual Wizards of the Coast. But a passion for that. Form. Yeah, but just love. Mm-hmm. I think that's going to be the future. I can see that. This was a cool question, I thought. Um was interesting because it just mentioned Oko, but I think this is a larger conversation. If planeswalkers are allowed to be commanders, should Oko be banned? And that is from Cade on Twitter. Matt, what are your thoughts on planeswalkers as commanders? First of all, I don't see why they're not, why they can't be. I think they should be. Huh. Oko, on the other hand, uh, as a bit answers every other planeswalker and he comes down super early. Well, the thing or is, every too, other every other creature. No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. The thing is, too, there are some planeswalkers that are allowed as commanders. Yeah, it says this can be your commander. Exactly. I, however, don't think that in general, planeswalkers should be commanders. Why? I think the ones that are designed to be commanders are fine, but there are so many ways to make other planeswalkers that were not designed to be a commander just so miserable. Like, I feel like there is a very small positive to a very large negative that could be gained by making Planeswalkers commanders. So I think it's the other way around. Like, yeah, some of them are shitty, like a mono blue Narset deck would be miserable. I just think there's going to be more, there are going to be more of those decks that people are going to be playing Karns or three mana Teferi or Narset or something like that. There's going to be a significant larger amount of those decks floating around than the red green werewolf being your commander or uh, just the random five mana Obnixilis being your commander or something. There's just so many more people who are going to abuse that than use it for a positive like fun actually interactive thing that those cards are carried just fine as one of your 99 cards. Being your commander is such a more shitty thing to do of course, Oko should be banned, but there's also like probably 10 other commanders that, or planeswalkers that should just be banned along with Oko. That's fine. Do that because there are many that would be super fun. Oh, I don't disagree with that. I just think there is a larger number of playable commanders that are like just miserable than ones that are fun. Yeah, ban those shitty ones. That's a lot of work for people who are not Watsy employees, though. We're going to be honest. Not really. They do it anyway. I think talking about commander cards like as commanders 
versus the can of worms that gets open when you talk about planeswalkers, I think that makes it a bit more difficult. Because, I mean, you can also admit that planeswalkers, especially recently, are some of the most powerful cards I've ever printed. Absolutely, they are. Well, just think about the In their respective formats. Yeah, well... Look at Narset. Narset's probably arguably one of the best besides like one of the most wor- like worst planeswalkers to play against yet it only sees play in like two formats yeah you're right but here's the thing you you take those cards that are legal in commander and then all at once open the floodgates and let them be legal as your commander the format just completely gets turned on its head in i think a very very negative way i think that's awful for the format only one way to find out or Consider I don't just have a not... problem with it. If I play, if I'm playing commander with someone, and they're like, "Hey, can I have a planeswalker as my commander? Do you care?" Nope. Don't give a fuck. Have fun. Well, that goes along with also like I don't want to play commander with people who are playing like competitive EDH. Exactly. So it's up to the people. Let them do whatever they want. You're not playing commander to win money, and if you are, you're playing competitive EDH, and you want to be degenerate as possible. Let them be degenerate as possible. Sure, if the scumbags want to be scumbags, they can be scumbags. I'm fine with that. But in that case, just let Oko be legal. Fuck, unban Iona. Then just let that happen. Go for it. I don't give a shit. <laughs> that's, I think that's that we just don't want any of that. There has to be a balance between like the sanctity of the format and then also appeasing to the competitive crowd. That's mine. Yep, let them be. That's fine with me. That, that, we'll, we'll stop that conversation for now. We'll move on to the next one. The next one is Dave, from David Schultz. He asked... What is your favorite deck? So I'll let you go first. Well, my favorite deck is pretty obvious. It's death and Taxes. Yeah, we get Le- it. It's Legacy Death and Taxes. I have a brand to uphold. Yeah, Legacy Death and Taxes has always been my favorite deck uh, for as long as I've been playing Legacy, which has been for a very long time at this point. Uh, yeah, just super fun deck. Uh, really like playing Wastelands and playing Rashawn Ports and playing Thalias and playing Mother of Bruins and playing Stoneforge Mystics. I like all of those things. Can you guess my favorite deck? Your favorite deck is Oath. Of Druids, yes. Followed by a Pod deck. Yeah, birth- yeah, followed by Birthing Pod. I would say your favorite card is Birthing Pod. Your favorite deck is Oath. Yeah, that's fair. Although that's close because Oath of Druids is the, the OG Birthing Pod, if you will. You're right. You're right. Yeah, we have we are very old souls when it comes to our favorite decks. Yeah, I don't have a favorite standard deck or anything like that. I'm sure if I was really forced, like, gun to my head, I could think of my favorite standard deck of all time. It would probably have been, like, the Theros... Return to Ravnica standard, like that blue-white control deck was really, really fucking brutal. That the win condition was just like your opponent falling asleep and you casting the Elixir of Immortality and shuffling your library back into your deck or your graveyard back into your deck. I'm a big fan of those control decks. Yeah, that was a miserable deck, but it was super fun. I also like the uh, the Devotion decks in that standard too. And in the previous standard, like the Bant, can, or Bant Hexproof deck was super fun. But yeah, those are our favorite decks of all time. That was a really good question. Here, this is another one. Um, instead of favorite decks, uh, Chemsberger wants to know, out of all of the formats, what is the best format for you and why? So I took the that, like, that's asking you, Matt, what is your favorite format? Vintage, for sure. Absolutely vintage. I love playing powerful spells. I love playing with old cards that I've collected over the years and some more recent collections or purchases to really be able to play vintage but uh definitely vintage because you and i could have 70 or out of the main deck like 55 cards that are the exact same and those five different cards could change the deck wildly yeah for sure they could 
Yeah, vintage is super fun. I am not as big of a fan of vintage as you are, mostly because I don't own any of those cards. The only vintage I've ever played is online. Um, if I had to choose a format that I thought was the number one best format, I don't know if I could do that. I have three in mind that... Like Commander and Limited. Commander, Limited, and Legacy. Those are the three. And I love them all for different reasons. First of all, Limited, if we want to really boil it down, it's Cube. Yeah. Cube is the best format. If I had to pick one gun to my head, Cube is the best format, not Clip. Yeah, Cube's a close second to Vintage in my, for the same, pretty much the same reason. Just the infinite playability of Cube. Like, you can sit down and just draft a Cube a thousand times, and it's never the same, and you can have a blast every single time, even though it's different. Love that about it. Um, Legacy, just because how Matt said he liked collecting the cards over a period of time, he likes the decks in the format. Um, I really love Death and Taxes, and I love that strategy, and it just turns out that I get to play that strategy, and it is, for the most part, very playable in Legacy, so that's why I love Legacy so much. And then Commander, I've recently had this like love affair with Commander, where I realized, oh, I don't have to give a fuck about winning a game, I just get to worry about having fun with my friends, and Commander is that entire mentality in a Magic format, and that is what makes Commander. That was a really good question. Good question. Um, here's another question, which I know you have an answer locked and loaded for this because you're like, we need to answer this question. It is actually from Dennis, Canadian MTG. He wanted to know, if you had an unlimited budget, what deck would you build? I cannot wait to hear your I'll let you go first. Oh, see, I... Like, this is a pretty corny and, like, shitty answer because I really couldn't think of something for this. If I had an unlimited budget, like... I would probably just build like just like a commander deck with a bunch of like all of my favorite cards, just like a five color commander deck with all of my favorite cards that I've ever loved in my entire life. And then just have that pile of like expensive cards that I don't have to worry about ever purchasing that I got to play in like cube and like on magic online and stuff that I never considered buying in paper. And then just have that deck. And then if I need to like take a card out of it, I guess I could. But I feel like that's kind of cheating with this question, right? I think so. I'm actually just building Death and Tap, but just another version of it. So I can also white border it and then give the white border deck away to somebody else. So there are multiple people with an entirely white border Death and Taxes out in the world. That's what I'm doing. Do you try to hurt me? Yes, I do. I just wish you loved white border cards, man. That's the only thing I wanted. All right, what is your answer? Have you ever heard of the format called Alpha 40? Oh, God. You are such a cheap bitch. So, Alpha 40, um, you have to have four four different cards in your deck. You can have as many copies as you want, but there's no limit to the amount you can have in It's like the, the truest form of magic. Yes, it's it is. Magic like with the, no rules. Pretty much. So, um, it's called the Turn 1 deck, and it wins Turn 1 uh, pretty much constantly. Yeah, there's and a couple times. Uh, large amount of times. So uh, it is 10. These are all alpha cards, by the way. 10 Mock Sapphire, 12 Ancestral Recall, 4 Black Lotus, 1 Blue Land. Generally, um, doesn't matter, but uh, Underground Sea or Tundra are the way to go. Basic Island. Or you could do a Basic Island, yes. 4 Time Twister, 6 Time Walk. And you want to guess what the win condition is? Isn't it something stupid? Two black vice. That's black vice. There you go. So the idea of the deck is you literally just draw cards and keep cycling until you get your black vices in play. And then you uh, target them with Ancestral Recall three times. So during their upkeep, uh, because you can't mulligan, there's no mulligans in this format. Um, so they have 
they will end up having um, nine additional cards in their upkeep. So you kill them. Uh, Black Vice kills them in their upkeep. Yeah, because of course it does. And that is my dream uh, unlimited budget deck. You're such a dirty fuck. That was such a cheat answer. We could do the beta 40 and I would, or unlimited 40 and I'd still pick this. You crazy. I love that though. That's okay. That's actually a really good thought out answer. He also, Dennis also had another question for us. And it was because uh, I think like a couple weeks ago, uh, we were talking shit about him wanting to give Ulamog um, some ability counters. And he wanted to ask us what our problem is with giving Ulamog more abilities. Dennis, I will cut you. <laughs> and I was like, I, I was like, that's not even a real question, is it? Ulamog is already just too good, man. Just yeah, stop. Super po- too powerful. Just too good. Yeah, mainly it doesn't need any extra abilities. It's just already insane. And the, the Ulamog he's referring to is Jesus Hunger, right? That is correct. Exiling two things upon cast and then is it exiling 20 cards off the top. That is correct. Whenever it attacks. Yeah. And indestructible. Yeah, the so. card just really has enough text on it, I think, already. It doesn't, it doesn't really. Yeah, it doesn't need any more help. Yeah. If you're going to give it anything, give it bandit. Or cumulative upkeep. Yeah. Can we make it? Uh, okay. You know what, Dennis? I agree with you. It does need more text. It should have cumulative upkeep and it should have phasing. Oh, phases out. Yep. Oh, I'm glad. I'm glad us three, you, me, and Dennis, we could all come to an agreement that we're right. Yeah. Who belong to Ceases Hunger does need more text. Oh, you know what else it could use? Defender. <laughs> Defender would be a great mechanic to put on Ulamoglasi Sunger. That's fantastic. I can't believe I'm so... I just had such a large change of heart. I am more than willing to give Ulamoglasi Sunger so Defender. much more text. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Incredible. Fair. That's good. Now, Matt, this is the next This is the next question. Um, Not necessarily a magic question, but I really liked it. It was from Kevin Flagg. He said... What is your favorite podcast? Does not have to be MTG related. So my favorite non-MTG podcast is probably many people's favorite podcast. And that's the Joe Rogan experience. You are a big Joe Rogan fan. I love his podcast. I love his guests. They're so cool. He is a very good interviewer. Yeah, he's been doing it for since ever. He's the one who really. The Fear Factor guy. Yeah, he is the most popular podcast, and um, he actually just signed a deal with Spotify. I saw 100, that. $100 million, and I'm sure there's clauses in there where he can just say, uh, I'm running it. You're not going to do anything. You can just support my have it exclusive rights to there. And I'm sure he'll still put them on YouTube and stuff. That is but... so much freaking money. Oh, my God. Yeah, and he didn't really need it. but How about any other non-Magic podcast? you have any favorites? Uh, Jocko's podcast. What is Jocko that about? Is. Jocko is an ex-Navy SEAL. Oh, he seems like uh, that'd be a very intense podcast. He's a very, very smart dude. And he talks about a bunch of different shit, not just like his time in there, but he has like some pretty interesting guests and oh, neat stuff like that on there. I think we sh- we are not allowed to shout out MTG podcast with this one. Yeah, we shout out enough MTG folks. Yeah, we have to save our MTG podcast shout outs for other things. Do you have any more? Or do you just want to... We'll stick with two. Yeah, two is fine, because I have several. That, that We could go fine. on for a long time with this. I'll think i yeah. I'll stick with just two. Um, my first one is a podcast that I listen to on, like, longer drives that I really enjoy. Um, it is called Hello from the Magic Tavern. And it is a comedy podcast based around the concept of this guy, like, falling into a magic portal 
in going into another world and he just walks into this like magical world. He walks into this pub and he sits down at a table with a wizard and a shapeshifter and they just do a podcast. Oh, Jesus. It, yeah, it is so just like off the wall and ridiculous. And like every episode they interview some other person from this this magical world. It is incredibly entertaining. It's it's very well written and the actors in it are phenomenal. Yeah, I highly recommend Hello from the Magic Tavern. Another podcast I listen to is uh, it's called The Nine Club and it is a podcast about skateboarding. Playing skateboard, like run, yeah. Run by professional skateboarder. So um, I feel like it's not very... Uh, if, if you skateboard, you probably know about it. And if you don't skateboard, you probably have no interest in it. But I really thoroughly enjoy that podcast. And I listen to it probably every week. They just interview people in the skateboarding industry. And all of them are usually very, very entertaining. So those are my two non-magic podcast recommendations. Yeah, there's a lot of good podcasts out there. Just go listen to some shit. Yeah, including um, the Fetch and Shock podcast. I would say that's one of the top ones. Nah. <laughs> All right, Matt, you ready for the next one? Yeah, bring it on. Our next question, we might have the same answer with this one. Um, Max wants to know, what our favorite land cycle is? Mine is the... Wait, hold on. Oh. We'll just do it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to count to three. We say it at the end of this. Ready? One, two, three. Skyland. Tolarian, uh, Tolarian cycles, like those... Like Tolarian oh, Academy, Sarah Sanctum, You think Guy's those Cradle. are the best ones? Absolutely. Oh, see, I'm still picking Skylands, man. Skylands are the most balanced, for sure. I think those are the best ones. No. You really think those are better than Tolarian Academy? I guess we're Sarah talking about... Sanctum, Guy's favorite. Cradle. We're talking about favorite land cycles. Oh, yeah, those are still my... Unfortunately, Wasteland is not a cycle. It's just one card that exists. I guess my cycle's been broken up over sets. There's not really a red one. No. I mean, I'll still give it to you. Because there is like the Sarasanctum Guy's Cradle uh, Academy thing. And Ur- you could either say Urborg, uh, Tomb of Yawgmoth. I would say Cabal Coffers. Or Cabal probably. Coffers, is what I was getting. Is the red one just like Valakid? <laughs> it's probably the closest thing they have. So. But Valakid is also part of a cycle, isn't it? With like so. Amari the Sky Ruin and stuff like that? Oh, uh, yeah, I guess you could. That is a cycle. Yeah, sure. I mean, I just like the Skylands because they're balanced. And I think they're good in the formats that they're good in. If we're talking about like a cycle that I normally play, it's super boring, but I'm going to have to say like the Shocklands. The Shocklands are just very good. The fixed dual lands. Yeah. Like they're they're good in modern. You can still see them played like they're great in cube. They're a great budget alternative to duels. I mean, quote unquote budget. Like that's that term is just 100% subjective. Well, it's either paying $500 for underground sea or, or like $10. Yeah, 10, 15 bucks for water grave. But I really do love the Skyland. Yeah, that doesn't surprise me. And shout out to Original Theros, one of the greatest sets of all time. Um, our next question is from Kevin Bagley. He wants to know, uh, do you think companions would be more accepted if they had cumulative upkeep? Depends what it was. And my thought about this is... And there's two is, different... Oh, sorry, that's a, go ahead. That's a question. Like, that is a loaded question because there are some companions that the cumulative upkeep wouldn't matter well like, that's where my point was yeah is, zero the cumul- is the cumulative upkeep even in the companion zone or is it only in play oh i feel like it couldn't be in the companion zone right because why not they fucking made companion anything. huh interesting because like again like zirda doesn't matter gruda doesn't matter like those you cards can easily start if it's your the cumulative upkeep starts on your second turn how about like cumulative upkeep would start any time that you would have the mana to cast your your companion? 
No, I think it would just be like starting on, and some of them would obviously have to be more more of a cost rather than like okay, pay one life or well, yeah. What if the commu- What if the cumulative upkeep was pay one life? That's nothing. Um, That's literally nothing. Look at Luris. But if it was on your it, no, but if it was in the companion zone, so like your turn two, you paid one life. Your turn three, you paid two life. Your turn four, you paid three life. Yeah, sometimes I don't think that would matter. With some of them, like Luris, I don't think. I mean, that would at least give a really good counterplay to that deck, where you just like have to kick the shit out of them. That just makes Super Death quickly. Shadow fucking ridiculous. So much better. Yeah, I mean, sure, that's gonna be that would be something that exists. But like, you could do that with a different one, like one like the four mana four or five one. You could do that there because you're going to be ramping creatures faster or whatever. Like, yeah, I was thinking true. it's like cumulative upkeep or during your upkeep, exile a card for me. Or oh, pay, that would be gnarly. Yeah, or uh, sack phrase a permanent. Like, there's a bunch you do. Like, you could literally do whatever you wanted, obviously. Oh, my but... God. There's a thousand effects in the game that you could probably yeah. put some kind of cost. I think it would be more fair and more acceptable that, hey, this doesn't just sit here. And if you happen to need to play it, you can. Um if not, it's really going to fuck you up. You need to either get what you're doing. Like, I I could be wrong, but I feel like Loris would be more balanced if it's, like, uh, during your end step or at the beginning of your upkeep or after your draw step, something like that, exile a card for me. Well, I mean, this conversation just really boils down to what, like, what cost is having that extra card in your hand? At what point is the cost too much, making it not worth it? And at what cost is it just too good and makes it just insane. And I think we can obviously say that no cost is obviously too good, but at what point is the cost too much for it to not be a thing? And I don't know if there is a finite line where you can say it hits a balance point. I think it's either teetering to the one side where it's unplayable or teetering to the other side where it's too good. Yeah, there's obviously a spectrum. Like um, There should be something, though. That's actually a pretty good idea of just saying... Okay, you want a companion? Um, you neither either need to do something or like I think Luris would be a lot better if it's like as long as this is in exile or as long as it's in the companion zone. Um, when something goes to your graveyard, exile it instead. Oh, that's insanely good. That's a brilliant. Yeah, yeah but that's if it's, super good. If it's in play, that doesn't matter. Like yeah. that effect is null. It's like, if this is in the companion zone, if a card were to go to your graveyard, exile it. Yeah, like, if you reveal Luris from outside the game, for as long as Luris is revealed from outside the game, if a card would enter your graveyard, put it into your... Into the exile. Or put it into exile instead. But then even with that, like, that just makes Helm combo just instant win. For your opponent. It doesn't affect your opponent's graveyard. It only affects yours. Oh, okay. Okay, yeah, okay. But once it comes into play, okay, now I can sack my bobble and replay it. Is that fair? Rather than like digging, like being able to, I don't know. I don't more know. Fa- more fair? Yes. I, I agree. I think 100%. But but like fair enough that Luris is still not completely busted? I don't know. It's hard to say. Don't know either. And I'm sure there's probably some way we'd figure out, oh, I can just exile everything. Yeah, you're I don't right. Know. I don't well, know. Moving on. It's a from good that. question. Yeah, that's it a is a really question. good, really, really, really good question. Um, so the next question, twenty one Gilmore asks, uh, "What is our thoughts on the difference in price between the enemy and ally fetches?" 
Um, it's mostly... It's availability, right? Availability and color combination. Um, I don't even think it's color combinations. Well, that I mean, like, the blue fetches are more followed up by, like, Verdant Catacomb. Well, if... Okay, order fetches as far as, like, power level of the color combination. Let's just do, like, top three. Delta. Delta's number one, right? And Delta yeah. is a, a m- more recently printed fetch. No, it's printed in Onslaught. But um, but it has a recent printing. Oh, yeah, in uh, Cons. Um, probably then Misty. You don't think it's Tarn, then Misty? Or ta- Tarn, then Misty, sorry. sorry. Yep, I was say it's I th- and your order is the exact same as mine. It's Delta, Tarn, Misty. And, uh, I mean, obviously two of those three are Z- original Zendikar fetches. One of them is a... The Tarns are the most expensive, aren't they? And that's what I'm saying. Tarns and Misties are more expensive than Delta because Delta was be... printed in a standard legal set. Yeah, it also might be what they play into. Like, uh, Mist or not Misty, fucking... Uh, Tarn sees more play, probably, over the formats than the others. But I do think that the disparagement in the the pricing of them has more to do with availability oh, than yeah. playability. There was a lot more cons boxes and forward, because um, not that many Onslaught boxes. I'm sure there was a shitload open, don't get me wrong. But, but if you were to actually figure out that cons, number... It's probably less than like an eighth. I genuinely think the fraction is that low. Yeah, that's my guess. Um, that Well, it's not even playability, because... it's No, it's definitely not playability, because I think in a perfect world... I genu- I think we are right that Polluted Delta is probably across the board the most playable fetch lane. Yeah, it's just those are the arguably best colors in multiple formats. Yep. And having access to both of any combination of blue or black is probably the best. Yeah, and if someone says blue is not the most powerful fans. color, they're just wrong. Sorry, but blue is the best color there there is. That they have no, it really is. You can depends argue on the format. I think it depends left and on the right, format. But I'm saying in magic overall. Blue in the history is, of magic, I think you're, yeah, that's. From start to now, blue is overtly, overtly, Jesus, more powerful, more powerful than, than the other colors. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, they didn't. It's And it's because in the beginning of magic, they didn't understand the power of card advantage. That yes. wasn't a concept that they got. But now they get it. But now we still have it. the old mistakes to show us that they didn't get it. Well, they got it after Weissman built a deck based on card advantage and yep. slowly grinding your opponent out. Uh, you live but, yeah. learn, man. but I think, but that is I, the reason why the fetch lands are such a different price point from the Zen Dakar fetch, the original Zen Dakar fetches to the onslaught fetches that were reprinted in Cons of Dark here. Yeah, I agree. Next question, a little bit of Vorthos action. Cause you know, that's my shit. Um, Emmett Neiman wanted to know, what our favorite basic land arts are for forest and plains. Um, do you have do you have an answer for this? Like that you can think of off the top of your head? Urza Saga, probably, or Odyssey are some of the best arts, I would say. Ooh. Outside of like Belfa, but I genuinely think the art is actually better in like Odyssey or Urza Saga. Like Urza Saga Islands are amazing. I actually don't disagree with that. I have a couple different like you're just talking about just Urza Saga as a blanket for both the forest and the plains. The plains, the best art is probably the big daffodils. That's like the uh, the pack promo or whatever. Oh yes, the uh, it's the sunflower plains. Yes, that one. That's probably the best. Um, the best forest probably. I want to say it's Saga or Odyssey. I'm trying to Saga find it. Saga or Odyssey. You're talking about the 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 sunflower plains that you're referring to is the Ron Spear one. Yeah, they're expensive as fuck. I was gonna buy them, and I was like, they're, Jesus. Th- they're like a they're like a promo one, aren't they? Yeah, 
I do like the like uh, the pack pack lights too that are based off of real places. And oh yes, yes, yes. There's like the island that is like Venice. Yeah, that's what that planes is. That's like yeah. a real thing. Yeah, the the promo land. Yeah, um, those um, are my actual favorite yeah. art art. I and I I think that's actually really that's a that's pretty pretty solid answer. I obviously have some very uh, strong opinions about what are the best planes arts of all time. Yeah, that's not surprising. I think one that. I, I mean, I do agree with you that the uh, Ron Spears one, the Daffodil one, or the uh, Sunflower one, very good. My boy, Ryan Pancoast, actually did a planes that is reminiscent of that. Like, he took inspiration from that one and did one that's all, like, white flowers with, like, a very dark sky. That one is a 10 out of 10, one of the best planes of all time. Um, the Eric Peterson, I believe it's the Odyssey one. With like the clouds in the background with the lightning coming down. Yeah, that one's really cool. And the barren trees. That one's an all-time great planes. And my favorite planes of all time is the uh, Terry Springer. Planes. No, it's the Terry Springer uh, Mercadian mask planes. That's the one that I whiteboarded and have in Death and Taxes. Yeah, that's the, the Star Wars planes. Yeah, hut planes. Yeah. Yeah, it's like you're I standing figured that would on, be on top planes. of a hill and you're like peering uh, no, down it's Tempest. Hut. Sorry, Tempest is my favorite. If you look up the Tempest Forest A, that's my favorite. Oh, I like that. Um, there are there is one actually the one of my favorite planes arts or one of my favorite forest arts is actually the art that is in the commander deck, the Theros one. I also love Ryan Pankos forests, but also Ryan Pankos stand here. So I definitely have more opinions on plane art than forest art, but some forests are absolutely bright. Yeah, I like when they actually look like forests. I don't know why I thought Saga. It's Tempest. The Tempest Forest is... Ah, 10 out of 10? Yeah. That's a good question. I could talk really about is. basics for way longer than oh, I should be able to. If you gave me a fucking soapbox and tell me to talk about MTG art, yeah, I could do that, do that until be here all the fucking, fucking cows come home. That is my shit. But to move on from that, uh, we have a question from Shane. This question I thought was really cool. Um, he was asking if there's any good gameplay strategy books for Magic. His eight-year-old son just started playing and really getting into it, um, and he found a box of cards from the mid-90s. He doesn't really remember how to play, though. Matt, what's your recommendation for, uh, maybe not books, but what is your recommendation to get somebody into Max? Go to a, like, right now you obviously can't, but go to a game store. A lot of store owners, they have, like, starter packs, people literally just starting and wanting to play. Mm-hmm. Um, or I forget what it is. Is it, like, fat packs that actually have like how to play in them. Oh, like you're talking the about like sets. the old school, like deck builders toolkits. Yes. Those, they, those were, I don't play. know if they still make those anymore. I don't think they do. Um, another good resource, um, watch stuff on YouTube or if you want to get like more high level, I know Patrick Apen has a fucking book. Yeah. What about the book? That's all about how to play gosh properly. <laughs> you play gosh on your turn before you made a land drop. Obviously. Oh, there was an entire, did you book know that there's an over. entire book written about gosh? I did not. That doesn't surprise me. That's a real thing. But that was that was a joke answer. The actual sincere answer, I think Matt has a really good point. Go to an LGS and just have just strike up a dialogue with the owner of that shop. I'm sure they'll be more than willing to to help you along your paper magic journey. Um, this was also a conversation we kind of had on the Discord recently, where if you're looking to get somebody into Magic the Gathering as a blanket statement, get them into the game. The best tool out there is Magic Arena. 
and it's not even kind of drafting is a good way to get people into it as well because you don't need to have a collection already you buy three packs uh shops give you basic lands or if you do it online same thing you don't need to spend 500 dollars to build a deck you can literally spend 10 to 15 dollars and play and then you have cards i even think there's a learning curve with draft if you are starting from ground zero nothing arena is your best option and it's just because it's so user-friendly that's it's yeah it's so I don't, easy to pick up arena so that that wouldn't surprise me because uh, that is one of their tools to get people into the yeah, game Arena's, now. And Arena is the best tool that they've ever had. They used to use like the intro decks that they printed and uh, sold at your local Walmart or Target or whatever. Uh, they used to have other intro based products, but nothing holds a candle to just being able to download Arena for free and then start jamming games with your collection against people who are also learning how to play Magic. Like you learn the game digitally. And then if Wizards could somehow bridge the gap between Arena and paper, they would make trillions of dollars. They just have not found a way to actually give a fuck about both aspects of the game equally or figured out a way to combine the two. If they did that, it'd be fucking game over, dude. It'd be absolutely game over. They just have not found a way to effectively do it. How-to videos on as well are sure there's a plethora of videos out there teaching people how to play yep it's a good question yeah that was a very very good question and our next question also kind of segues off of that in a really cool way um and it is actually from uh janata who was the winner of one of our first giveaways because of how good their initial question was and this question is also so cool follow-up banger yeah, I mean, the the guy crushes the question game. It's not kind of, it's not even kind of close. Friggin' Italians. Yeah, right. The Italian Stallions. But so Gina wanted to know, I always play Yu-Gi-Oh with my girlfriend and she loves it. Since I realized that the game just wasn't for me, we don't play as much anymore. Since Commander is my favorite way to play my, his favorite TCG, which is obviously Magic, what is the best way to introduce her to the format? Now, I'm assuming that they might know at least the basics about magic. Yeah, that's what it sounds like. Yeah, um, and if, if they don't, then refer to the previous question that we answered. If they do know the basics about the game, I think the best way to get into Commander is honestly building a deck. So I was going to say. Pick a Commander that you really like and it's fun, mm-hmm. and then build around it. That is make 100% it, her, it. Make it her own. That way can do whatever she wants with it. If she wants to go this direction or that direction and then play. And then it's every single, no matter even if I play a deck that I played a hundred times, it's like, I don't really like this in here. I want to change it. And then you find you exactly. get to go through that, that process again. And like, that is the best part about commander two is that when you build your own deck versus buying one of the pre-cons, like I played m- multiple games with all of the pre-cons that have come out usually i mean and matt can attest to this every single time that a pre-con comes out i usually buy one of them i buy them just for the fuck of it and yeah it's generally if something's in there that i want or um i think looks cool i'll buy it and even then sometimes i don't like i for example the one that makes the fucking eggs that you sacrifice and it's an oath of druids pretty much yeah. that one i just uh something very similar it's because i like it I wanted to buy it. I just, but when you sit down and play a game with a deck that somebody else built, it's not the same. It just like, you feel a little bit disjointed where it's more about the game and less about your relationship with it. 
the beautiful thing about commander is that you have this unique relationship with the deck that you build. If you build it from scratch, like Matt alluded to before you play the game and you're just like, Oh, I don't know if I like this card and you can make the tweaks or I've had my crew fix deck for probably going on five years. It's my favorite commander deck by a significant margin. And every time I play it, I get to create memories with that deck and those memories follow that deck. So like when a card comes out, that's a difficult decision. And when a new card comes in, it's like it has to warm up to the rest of the deck. But like every time I play a saint, like every time I play the card uh, Curse of the Swine, which is in that deck, every time I play that card, I think about a time where I've cast it before where it just like completely changed the context of the game. And it was such a cool card that I cast. And that really helps you get more into not just that deck, but the format of Commander in its entirety. Yeah. So yeah, the best way to, I think, get people into Commander is if they are familiar with the game of Magic the Gathering and they understand mechanics in the game, sit down with them and build a deck. Now, don't let them go hog wild and build their own deck because the chances of them building something that is maybe not optimal or maybe not very good is pretty high. If you're going to be playing with them, build something that's along the power lines of the deck that you're going to be playing against it. And then they will have like the memories of building that deck and thinking about, oh, do I want this card or this card? Yeah, don't blow them out of the water. Yeah. You put, yeah, help them put put their deck together, make it feel like their own, and then they're going to love that deck, and in turn, they're going to start loving Commander because of it. Because I think anybody who loves Commander has that connection with it, where, oh, you're just, you're growing with your own creation. That's why Commander, I think, is one of the best formats of Magic. Yeah, you could literally go the lowest power level deck to a tier one competitive deck. Yeah, that was a awesome question. It's a good question. Well, Freaking segway, Italians killing it. Always. Every single time they kill it. Well, let's segue off of that into... Let me clarify some, when I say friggin' Italians. It's a good thing. It's a, it's a good thing. Yeah, definitely a big time good thing. But we'll segue off of that into some more commander-specific questions. Uh, Matt is not a huge commander fan, so we'll probably blow through these ones relatively quick. But TJ, resident combo player, asked us, what is your favorite commander to play against and least favorite to play against? So most favorite, least favorite. Matt, do you have an answer for this? Kind of. It's less of a specific commander and more of a play style. So what do I like to play against? Stuff that's going to let me draw a lot of cards or give me resources, etc. Least favorite is probably like style decks where you're just taking turns, like a Ooh, shitload that, of turns. That's a good answer. Like it's one thing if you play Time Warp and you like, recur it twice but if that's all you're doing um that's kind of sucks no i dig that um i would say my least favorite decks to play against and i think nekusar is actually a really good example so i would say nekusar is my least favorite commander to play against cards that punish you for doing something that is just a net positive for basically every single deck like drawing cards is something that the blue deck wants to do the green deck wants to do the white deck wants to do Every combination of decks, they're actively drawing cards as something that they want to do. Any deck that punishes that feels really bad. And the fact that the Nekusar decks are just like, oh, I'm going to completely reset your game plan with like wheel effects and also just win the game. Nekusar is really a, an abysmal fuck to play against, especially if it's like a competitive Nekusar deck. That is a fucking miserable time. Inversely, my favorite decks to play against in Commander are usually the decks that are kind of group huggy but just decks that kind of just like do their own thing kind of police the board that if i'm doing something too out of hand 
they kill the thing that I'm doing. If one of my opponents is doing something too out of hand, they kill the thing. I like the commander players and the decks that sit back and just like kind of manage the game. Keep everything within a reasonable parameter. Those are, I like those. I like playing with those people. Kind of like my deck. Yes. And the fact that you played such a degenerate commander, but played it in that way made me change my mind about Madrotha. Well, to begin with, it was very different and literally locked yeah, people you, out. Yeah, you fast. were scumped. You played a very hyper competitive CEDH deck when you first built Maldrotha. Oh yeah. That was the goal. Now I scaled it back a good bit. It's still powerful, but not But now it's hey, fun. You can untap your lands. <laughs> oh your artifacts don't work? What a shame. Yeah, you play you played Modrotha stacks initially, and now you're just playing like Soltide good stuff with Modrotha as your commander. It has more of a lands theme than Yep. Lands and Yard. Um and Doug Teague. Teague. Yeah, Doug Teague. What WT? Yo, 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 DT! <laughs> but he wanted to know what you dislike seeing the most at the table. Similar that to our Jess previous guy, question. Jess guy won. Ooh. You're talking about like, uh, like you're talking about Zedru? No. Narset, the Enlightened Master oh, or whatever. Narset, the hexproof one. Yeah. Where she hits and you get to anticipate. You get to do a whole bunch of shit. Yeah, that card's brutal. Yeah, that card's good. I hate, like, that one's a really good answer, actually. Nekusar, I hate seeing. Um, there are builds of, uh, like I said, Zedru that are just miserable to play against. Um, also, Golos. I Every time I see a Golos player sit down across from me, I'm like, oh, great. Now I now I know who I have to kill first. Oh, you mean you don't like them going to get their... Fucking Field of the Dead? No, Field, turns of... Out, Field of the Dead is a piece of shit in every format. Field of the Dead or any of the super busted powerful lands like Gaia's Cradle... Ugh. Erborg and what's his nuts combo the Cabal Coppers. I can never remember the name of that. I know exactly what it does, but I'm always I noticed that. But yeah, I I hate Golas. Golas is one of my least favorite. Uh, Volbat. Next question. Volbat wants to know what our favorite colorless commander. Is? Mine is I forget what the name. It's one of the big Eldrazi when it comes into play. If you don't have seven cards in your hand, draw up to to make your hand seven. You're talking cards. about the new Kozilek. Yeah, that one. New Kozilek is a really good one. Yeah, fuck yeah, that's a good that's one. That's probably him, it, I guess, because they're devoid of everything. That or uh, Golos is actually probably the best. Golos is not a colorless commander. And it's I a will... fucking colorless commander, dude. It's... No, it's not. It's a five-color commander. Your deck is five colors. He himself is a card. Nope. I, his color identity is all five of them colors. Whatever. All right, so the other thing then, Kozilek. Kozilek, yeah, the new Kozilek is a good one. Uh, my favorite is Karn Silver Golem, but only because I actually have a Karn Silver, Silver Golem deck, and that is for a format that me and my friends play called Wood Nickel. And my friends and I. Whatever. I wasn't aware of the grammar place were coming to harass me right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> After being six beers in, I'm allowed to uh, not speak correctly. Fair. But yeah, I just built uh, Karn, Karn Silver Golem, who I thoroughly enjoy. Wood Nickel format where all the cards in the deck have to be under five cents it's all on magic online love that deck it is actually probably the most powerful wood nickel deck i've ever built where i can take it into actual commander rooms and actually hold my my shit against real commander decks i thought the actual deck decks, was yeah. gonna be good I think that the the Karn deck is much better than the cycling. The cycling deck, you need some of those broken cycling cards. Yeah, that I'm just missing out on. Which yeah, aren't the aren't in there. 
No, it turns out really expensive bad artifacts. Not very expensive on Magic Online, but if you can turn like the the Shrine of Ishna, that seven mana artifact that when it enters the battlefield you destroy a target permanent. Turns out when you turn that into a seven seven and attack with it, it's pretty okay. Yes, yeah, not bad. Yeah, I'm really into that. Turns now this is almost like the opposite. Seven, seven. I love me a good seven seven. Now this is like the opposite end of the spectrum, Matt. Do you have a favorite three color commander? That should be pretty obvious. Moldrotha. Moldrotha seems about right. It literally made me play commander. I tried many a time to play commander, and as soon as Dominaria came out and that card was spoiled, I said, "Yep, that's the one." You know what? I 100% like can respect that too. I've been I was trying before that time to get you into commander for the longest time, and I tried many times. And time, you tried like, and just couldn't do it. And then the second Moldrotha came out, you're like, "Oh, uh, I get it now." It was something that I wanted to actually do. And I I really I respect that. I respect your love for that card because that cards are insanely good. I respect your respect. Now, Matt, do you want to know what my favorite three color command is? Nickel Bolas. No, it is not that color combination in the slightest. Something Bant, probably then. Oh, you were so close. You have two of the three colors, right? Chess guy? Nope. Red, blue, black. No, red, blue. Nope. White, blue, black, Esper. Nope. Fuck, I don't know. Tell me, Jesus it's Christ. It's Naya. It is actually, I think, Commander 20. It was the second Commander product. Not the original one, the second one. Um, it was, it's Marath, Will of the Wild. It is the one that's like the Naya color. And then when it enters the battlefield, it gets a plus one, plus one equal to the, a mana, that, the mana that you spent on it. So the every time you cost that less or whatever. No, it has remove a counter on it, and you can either put a counter on something else. Uh, you can deal X damage, or you can put XX or put an XX elemental equal to the number of counters removed. Marathus. That was my first commander that I ever built because I got that precon and was just like, oh, this card is nuts, and then went deep on that commander and like spent a ton of time building that. And then now that I look back and probably look at that deck. It's probably unplayable. Most likely. But that was the first commander that I ever like fell in love with was Marath. So big, big shout out to that. I respect, I respect your decision. Yeah, I respect your respect, Matt. <laughs> I see what you did there. But we only got a couple questions left. And the rest of the questions, I think we can blow through pretty quickly because they are all in regards to the real reason why we're all here today. I had to be. No, you didn't have to be. You could have totally <laughs> fucking bounced. You were supposed to, actually. I really. know. I know. Don't remind me. It hurts. <laughs> no, these questions are in regards to our giveaway, Matt. All right, let's hear them. We had a couple people ask about the commander deck that we're giving away, which is the Torsten von Ursus deck. We had a few people, namely uh, Matt McCormick and Doot Doot on Twitter, ask, why Torsten? Doot Doot Doot. I love that name. Doot Doot Doot. Yep, that gave me, that gave me, oh, typing it out was real fun too. Yeah, Matt, why Torsten? Uh, it's kind of an inside thing that happened uh, accumulated knowledge with a uh, friend of the podcast, frenemy of the podcast, Corey. <laughs> oh, I love you, Corey. <laughs> uh, where he got it and no one knew what it fucking did because it is hot garbage from Legends. But oh, it's uh, a we, monstrosity of a card. Yeah, we could keep it themey. And then uh, it really sparked it whenever friend of the podcast dave sent you a copy of it yeah he actually he was like hey uh saw this on the internet uh i think it was on ebay he's like hey i got it for you guys so uh <laughs> enjoy he, pr 
He honestly probably paid more for the shipping than than the actual card itself. Than the actual card, yeah. I think you're right. Yeah, you gotta love a good fucking Torsen von Ursus, man. Yeah, but that's why. Yep. And uh, he can also be affectionately known as Uncle Rico. Oh, he's got many nicknames. Yes, that he does. Gotta love me a good Uncle Rico. Yeah, that is why Torsten, um, also Paperclip Maker on Twitter, uh, was asking, uh, will this be the commander deck that's up for grabs? Yeah, the commander deck that I posted the picture for, that's the one that's getting given away. That exact deck. That it is. I believe that you also made all the, the arts and the, for the basics. Yep, all of the all of the basic planes are the same art, and all of the uh, basic forests are the same art. Because I am way OCD, and I could not send a deck out without that being the case. I would have done it the exact opposite. Every single one would have been different. That's, that is the difference between you and I, Matt. Or they would have been foil. Oh, see, I, I, there's only one foil card in the deck. How is it? upset does that make? What's the foil? The foil is actually the promo version of the uh, Hero of Bladehold. Oh, okay. Yep. Oh, I see it right there, yeah. Because that hero art is so freaking So dope, yep. Okay, that makes sense. And we had a couple other questions about uh, the exact uh, contents of the deck. Like, questions about, like, what's, like, the coat of arms in the deck. What exactly does that do? Um, if there are... We'll have to wait and find out. Other specific cards in the deck. Yeah, and the whole entire concept behind this was kind of us building the deck and then sending it out. We did have one person ask... Uh, and it's Naysayer on Twitter. They asked, what is the win condition of this deck? Um, I would say the win condition of this deck is taking your opponent's life total uh, from 40 to zero. Or, I mean, you could also, in theory, go and take their commander damage from zero to 21. You could do that as well. You can do whatever your heart desires. Yeah, but attacking. Attacking is the thing that you would want to do. Besides that, and the cards that you can visibly see from the picture... That's the only information that I want to give out about this deck until somebody has officially won it. Then we will release the deck list to the world. I would wait till it gets to the person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I mean. Like when it's like sent out and we have a confirmation that it has arrived safely. The Eagle has There are definitely some landed. goodies in this deck too. Oh my goodness. And you can see them in the picture. Like there are cards that are worth a, a good amount of money. Temple Garden, Heath, Ellis Norn. I don't know how much a card is anymore. Ellis Norn's like 20 bucks. That's what I thought. Coat of Arms, July. Oh my goodness. And the Temple Garden is the original Ravnica Temple Garden. Look at you. We got some spice in there. Why do you have an original art one? Um, I just had it. It's I, surprising to me. I don't know why, but I did. We also had, it was Jackson Hill asked us, why does that Elishnorn look so good in the picture of the deck list? Um, that's because it came out of my personal collection. When you actually get the card, it has a little bit of shuffle crease on the top because I shuffle like a fucking barbarian. But that card has been put from a, the graveyard onto the battlefield by by unburial rights more times than I could possibly. That's what been modern used. Mm -hmm. And I love that deck. But you know what they say, Matt? If you love something, you gotta let it go, man. Should have brought bought the promo that was in the made up Praetor language. Oh, that. Do you have? Do you know how much that card is? Not as nearly as much as it used to be. That's still like hundreds of dollars. Yeah, it's like 300 bucks now. It was like $800. Worth it, though. That is the coolest version of a card I've ever seen. Yeah, same exact art. It's just the... It just has Phyrexian text around. Yeah. Which is so, so sick. No, but they, yeah, that's the deck you're getting. The win condition is killing people. Yeah, pretty pretty self-explanatory. Really? Do we have any other questions? No, that I think that closes out the questions, man. 
That's a wrap on the Q&A. Donzo. I guess there's only one more thing we can do. What is it? we got to announce the winners, right? Oh, yeah, that's the thing. See, I was going for the long con. and you <laughs> Just completely. That's when you were going to cut out is just like before we announce the winner. She ruined it. I'm just listen, man. I'm too smart for you. Just tricked you into it. Well. Wait, are we going to play Accumulated Knowledge this week? Do you want to? We're at like three hours. We can. I don't care. Maybe we should hold off on Accumulated Knowledge. Give the people a break. There's going to be riots in the fucking streets. This will be the first episode we don't play Accumulated Knowledge. President Donnie's going to have to martial law everyone. <laughs> We're going to be quarantined because we must be sick in the head because we... Yeah, we, we went through a lot of shit. Let's uh, let them print some some more cards. They, they can get <laughs> Next added time we in. play Accumulated Knowledge, it's going to be only with cards that come out in Double Stuff Oreo Masters. They have been printed before. So that is legitimately something that could be done. All right, Matt. Well, I have... Insert drum roll music there. Yeah, put in yeah, put in the music. Put in the drum roll thing. I gotta type in the number of things. Also, I have to do a little bit of quick map. Unfortunately, I'm not allowed to win. You are not. Although I, I did win because I'll be getting one of the play mats. All right, Matt. Are you ready to figure out who wins this commander deck? I was born ready. All right. Random number has been generated. It is Dana Williams on Twitter. That is at DL Williams 86. So Dana, congratulations. You are the proud owner of a brand new commander deck. Hurrah! People are wishing their, their downfall. Ah, oh, poor Dana. All of this jealousy that's just now mounted upon him. You're going to have some folks coming for you. So got it. Well, congratulations. Yes. We congrats. Have, we do still have more giveaways though. Let's fire up the next one. Waiting on you, son. The next, so the next person that we announce is going to win a custom fetch and shock play match. Get your number generated. I did. Oh, shit. This is a real good one. The person who wins the fetch and shock play mat is Dennis Flar, Canadian MTG. Good old Dennis Flar, even with your bullshit Ulamog. Yeah, he just, yeah, even though he's a scumbag with Ulamog. He got paid off big time. Well, I'm sure that they uh, put in. Oh, they're, yeah, they're a thousand percent. Pretty active in the, in the tweeter verse. Yep, and that definitely so got congrats, it. Congrats, yeah. Congratulations, you are the now you are the proud recipient of a fetch and shock custom play mat. Now you never have to listen to us again. You did it. You really don't. Yeah, <laughs> now you can just give up. Pretty fucking cool. Now, Matt, we have one more giveaway, and this is the mystery giveaway. Scooby Doo theme song. Yeah, Mystery Machine, rolling in. Our next winner, this is our last one, Matt. Mystery giveaway winner. Drum roll. Our winner of our mystery prize is TJ Resident Combo Player on Twitter. It is at RageBlade31. They put a question in, didn't they? They did, for sure. That question was a good one, too. I don't remember what it was, but I remember the name. Oh, no, it was, what's your favorite commander to play against? Uh, Yeah, that is a good one. Yeah, so congratulations like... to all of our one year anniversary winner and then are you you'll reach out and get some some contact info yeah um how about the if the people who are listening to this if they hear that they won um reach out, reach to, out to me on twitter or reach out to the fetch and shock podcast on twitter uh you follow the podcast so you'll know where to find us uh reach out to me say that hey uh listened to the episode i won the thing I will get your information. I will get the stuff for, from you, and I will send out your prize next week. And then if I don't hear back from you, post haste. Uh, I will wait a couple days. I'll probably wait until the end of the weekend because it is a holiday weekend, so I'm not going to be able to send anything out anyway. And then 
uh, come next Monday, I will reach out to you and get your information and send the stuff out to you. So congratulations to everybody who that's entered. the holidays. You might want to reach out Tuesday. Oh, that's true. I reach out Tuesday. You're right. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So I will, you will hear from me Tuesday, but if you don't, if you listen to this and hear that you won, just reach out to me instead. That makes my life easier. Yeah. Don't but have yeah. to track people down. A- exactly. So congratulations to all of our one year anniversary winners. And then thank you all of you for listening in and for participating in our giveaway. These giveaways are always super fucking fun. Except Corey. Yeah, Corey, fuck you, dude. <laughs> I don't know why. It brings me such joy. <laughs> Probably because he can hear it and he can't, he can't talk shit back. He can't defend himself. Yeah. Poor guy. <laughs> Corey, just kidding. We love you. We'll have you back on soon. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, after now that, now that this whole one-year shenanigans shit is over, I want to hear how Corey's been handling quarantine. Yeah, that'll be that'll be a fun story. Fucking love it. But yeah, um, Matt, do you have anything else to say for our one year? Happy birthday! Hey, oh, happy birthday to us! We did it, man. This is a one year. This is a this is a milestone. That it is. If anyone wants to hear other shit, fuck off. We don't want you anyway. No, I'm just kidding. Let us know. <laughs> well, I mean, where could they let us know if they wanted to uh, maybe contact us on the Twitterverse? at fetch underscore shock on the discord the link is on the twitter which i just gave you the link to uh if you want to find numb nuts uh tyler it's at basic landman that's me and then and then mine is at it's bop couldn't be more simple no it's yeah it's easy as pie almost as easy as entering our giveaways which i mean we we do kind of frequently we've done like a good four during our time being a podcast yeah oh the other thing i wanted to mention um our group of friends from where we all grew up is starting an old school uh, league, and I'll probably stream some of those games on the Discord. Mm. So I'll, I'll throw that out when we're doing oh, that. Oh, I fucking love that idea. That's so sick. And you might not hear audio or something, but you can at least watch us play some games and be in chat, and I'll be in chat or in the, Hell the yeah. Discord. And I'll, I mean, I'll stick around and I'll, I'll just commentary over top of it. I don't give a shit. Yeah, I'd be super into that. That's such a cool idea. There's plenty of shit coming out of the Fetch and Shock camp. We're trying to do a live stream with you and I. Yeah, once we can Possibly some old school game content. Just all of our normal content that we're giving out for free because we're the greatest. Fuck yeah. Everybody out there, you're so welcome. It's a fucking treat to have us. Yeah, we're 10 out of 10 (laughs) great content. That's what fucking assholes say. (laughs) You're welcome for my presence. Yeah, you're you're welcome for us existing. (laughs) No, but in, I guess, in all sincerity... Thank you for everybody who's ever listened to this podcast in the past uh, 365 days. It's been a wild ride, that but it has it's been, been a fucking blast every step of the way. It's been very fun. Yeah. And I, me and Matt are going to continue to do this for as long as you guys continue to give a shit. So if you dig it, continue to give a shit and we will still be bringing it. Giving a shit by listening. Yeah. 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 That's the one. That's the way to give a shit is just by listening to the podcast. Oh, I thought you said giving shit. Like no, giving yeah, a yeah, shit. No. Give us shit. Like, shit uh, in your hand and throw it, it at us like a monkey. Give it. Yeah. I gotcha. I miss misheard. <laughs> Did you hear that the, the bird is the word? <laughs> that, in 15 seconds, is fashion shock in a nutshell. <laughs> yeah, trying to get something done and just going off Look on nonsense. Track city. <laughs> That's all right. Yeah, let's, let's wrap it. All right, boys. Well, I've had a lot to drink, and... I need to go do something else. So, peace. Oh, you're going to do peace first? Oh, my God. I'm panicked. I was peace. What do I do? Look.
Happy birthday, nerd! Dude, I give it, give her a whirl. Panic for the first time in 365 days. You're like, what is going on? And I'm like, shit, what do I do? Oh no! Yeah, I beat you to the punch there. Fucking peace, nerd! <laughs>